Tidings of comfort and joy. Um, what words to start out the, the service. Uh, this Advent season, we are entering into this third theme, and the theme is joy. And uh, as I think about um, going through this, this month of, of, of celebrating Christmas, I, I'm doing so with a, with a perspective of the non-believer, the unbeliever who just doesn't understand and doesn't understand what you're seeing about in terms of tidings of comfort and joy. But let me back up 2,000 years, or 2,400 years. Remember, there were 400 years of silence when God had not spoken at all. And all of a sudden, in this uh, vacuum where God hadn't uh, been speaking to his people, giving new revelation, all of a sudden, this birth of Christ comes on the scenes. And the idea of comfort, the word comfort, uh, coming back from Isaiah, comfort ye my people, comfort ye my people, having come back from the exile back to Jerusalem. The word comfort means with strength and joy. There's something about this idea of comfort and joy, but you're living in a world where not everybody has comfort besides physical comfort, heat in your house, running water, and internet that wasn't blown out by the power surge Friday. I had no internet all weekend. <laughs> can you have life without the internet? Yes, you can. You can adjust to that. But, but the idea that there's a lot of people who are not having comfort this season. And in particular, as I think about what doubters wish they knew, wish they could believe during this time, I, I have to go back. I, I uh, was saddened when I saw the news. Uh, it, it just struck me. I don't know if you've been able to, uh, how you respond to the news, but sometimes the news stops me and paralyzes me and to think about we live in in a fallen world and things bad happen to people. And at this time of Christmas, there's a lot of people who have lost loved ones, 60 to 70 to 100 people down in, in Mayfield, Kentucky, and throughout the South. But I'm thinking, how could they possibly sing comfort and joy? It is a difficult time for those folks. And as you think about... Um, the, the earthquakes up in Oregon and the, the, uh, the COVID and the, um, the people trying to find hospital beds and, and then you have to deal with tornadoes and you add that on top. of It just seems to be overwhelming in the sense that you lose faith, you lose focus, you lose uh, friends, you lose, you lose. And therefore the question as I, as I entered into this <clears throat> thinking this week thinking about what we're seeing about is either we are so irrelevant and insensitive, but when I think about people who are sitting in darkness and they're sitting in independence, there's, there's a couple of things you've got to keep in mind. It's hard to sing joyfully when you're in pain. It's hard to sing in, when you're weeping and there's woundedness all around. And yet this is not the first time uh, that when people look at your faith, 
you see that there's a reality, not an illusion, because from the Old Testament to the New Testament, you see a, 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 a realistic picture of what it means to live in a fallen world. But to live in a fallen world, you have to have strength, and you have to have comfort, and you have to have this thing called joy. Well, David saw this when, when Israel was in captivity by the rivers of Babylon. We sat down and wept when we remembered what we had, and we lost it. Part of the greatest challenges to faith in, in our lives is the regrets. Things we wish we wouldn't have done, the things we have to live with that steal our joy. And yet, you have people who look at your faith and say, oh yeah, if your God is so good, why is this happening to you? And you go back to the stories of Job, or you go back to other people in affliction, but they're demanding that you sing or prove that your God is good in the midst of your suffering. From there, our captors asked for us songs, and our tormentors demanded songs of joy. Oh yeah, go ahead and sing now. Sing now. And yet the reality is that the heart sometimes, though it may be laughing, it's still in pain. You may have joy, but only for a season. But God can take those seasons and turn those ashes into joy. But the point is, there are ashes. There are real problems. There are people who are living with sexually transmitted diseases, marriages that are falling apart, kids who are just acting out, people who are on drugs, and they're on and on and on and on. I don't want to focus on that, but the fact is, what is God thinking about and what are we thinking about God in the midst of this? You have these two groups of people in the scriptures. You have the people who are cynics, mockers, fools, sarcastic, oh yeah, right, God is good. But then you have this other group who says, I just don't get it. I really don't understand. And I doubt, I don't know, I don't know, and I'm not aware, I don't, I'm ignorant, I'm uninformed. And, and yet you have people who are just kind of defeated because they're distressed and downcast, like Jesus said, as people with sheep without a shepherd. And depending upon the group you walk with, you either find it a Christ, a Christ myth or a Christmas, a worship or a war. But either way, there are people who have questions in the heart that, that don't have faith, they don't have peace, they don't have comfort, they don't understand what we're doing. So it's kind of a commercialized endeavor, and we've substituted the meaning of the gospel. But there are three fundamental questions that every one of us have to answer. And you answer in faith, or you answer in disbelief. And the three fundamental questions as we go into the season, when you have tornadoes hit, when you have cancer hit, when Parkinson's hit, when you have mental health issues, and you have people pulling out guns and injustices. In this world that's fallen, you have three questions, and the questions are going to be answered. The three questions are, is God good? And is he good enough? Meaning that what you go through, is God able to enter into your pain, your suffering, your lifestyle, and bring about good? Second question, is God for me or is God against me? In other words, what does God think about you? Does God like me? 
Is he, is he angry with me? Is he going to be like sinners in the hands of an angry God like we talked about Wednesday night in that Bible study? So your attitude about the Lord and what you understand is going to shift how you respond in the question, am I for or against God? It goes two ways. But the third question is, is it possible? How can I find this joy? Can I do that? Well, the answers are, for the cynic and the sarcastic, no. Is God good enough? No, he's not good enough. Is he, uh, is he for or against me? Well, I don't think he's for me, so I don't think uh, I can have that comfort and peace and joy you guys are talking about. And, and third, can I trust him? If he allows bad things to happen in my life, can I trust him? The answer is no, no, no. Well, how can you sing for the believers who are captive and defeated by, by the world and sitting by the rivers of Babylon? They can still find joy. But for those who are sitting in darkness, there is no joy. And therefore, as we move into the season, you have to substitute the gospel for something else. And that's what we've got in our culture. It's a commercialized tradition that lost the glow or the meaning of Christ. There's a guy you know, C.S. Lewis, who wrote this book, Surprised by Joy. And Lewis makes very clear a distinction that joy is something different. He was caught off guard. He was surprised as the reluctant convert that he was that the God that he met was a God of desire and that desire that lifted him into joy said that, that if you understand joy, that you will find yourself, in, inside yourself, a longing, a, a wish, a, a sense that there's something missing inside of me that I want to be so deeply aware of that it, it pulls me out of myself. And he called that desire, the sin sucked, that, that, that longing for that which... I was built for, but I don't have, and therefore there's a search. Until I find that, I'm always going to be in that search for that place of comfort and joy. Uh, Lewis was surprised because he found that in God in a way that kind of snuck up on him. It wasn't him pursuing God. It was God pursuing Lewis. But he makes this idea clear in that book, Surprised by Joy, that you have to distinguish between joy and happiness and pleasure. Because otherwise, this, this Bible verse would make no sense at all. So let me put it out there. James, James, 4, James 1, 2 to 4. Uh, James says, Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. You've got to be kidding I don't want more character development. I don't. I just want. I don't want to go. Have to go through this. But James says, "Let this perseverance and trial finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything." You've got to be kidding! How can you have joy when your house has been destroyed by a tornado? Are you really expecting me to be? Happy that my whole city was demolished? When you think about the things that happened, this passage makes no sense 
only if you think in terms of happiness and pleasure. That is Lewis and James and others, you'll see, it's so much more than just the physical material comfort that you live, uh, having a 401k and having the resources so that you can do what you want. Let me tell you two stories of my family. And one was very real. That day that Patty and Ralph in their house and their farm in Carthage, Indiana, had a tornado. They were tracking on the television and the radio. The radio was local, television was Indianapolis, and they were tracking this tornado, pursuing East Central Indiana. And my brother-in-law, Ralph, who just passed away, uh, Ralph uh, yelled at my sister, get under the table because it's right at the edge of our farm. In a matter of seconds, it exploded their barn, lifted their house up off the foundation for about two feet and moved it over. And they were in the house. Patty and Ralph went through that storm. It's the closest I've ever been. Um, Personally, I haven't been in the tornado, but when you hear the story, you just get scared. Like, good night. They survived. But it was the aftermath of that tornado that took its toll. And that's what I'm fearful when I think about people in, in Kentucky and throughout the South. I'm thinking, what took place in that trailer that the government provided for that last year was more, more tension, more, more pain, more conflict. Patty turned to the Lord. Ralph didn't. And uh, he tended to rely on Farmer's Almanac from that point on or for some other things to try to figure out. But he didn't turn to the Lord. And, and so there was no comfort they struggled that year in such a way that wasn't joyful. It wasn't joyful. The second picture that the Lord brought into my family was my brother Wayne, who was a quadriplegic now after going through an intersection and was T-boned in his truck. This was 11 years ago. Wayne can't move a finger. Wayne can't turn his head. Wayne can't speak. Wayne can do nothing but live in his broken body. And I'm thinking, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. When How can you trust a God like this when it just seems so overwhelmingly that what he's doing just would just slap you silly? Or you'd be delusional to think about God as good. And that's the question you have to answer. If in this time of trial, COVID or whatever you go through, if you don't have this clear conviction that God is good, most quadriplegics die within one year. Drugs, suicide, divorce, people leave, they get put in a nursing home and they can't take it. My brother came to Christ through that accident. He has a testimony in my city of 11 years now. And his spirit is a joyful spirit. These two people in my family really teach me that there's a difference between having comfort, functionality, 
And yet there's something that's surprising about when the Holy Spirit brings about a joy that very few people know how to walk in pain with joy. You don't know that much. I don't know that much. But we know the one who does know that much is Jesus Christ. Because when he was born, he wasn't born in a comfortable setting. And, and there was a lot of turmoil going on. But the scriptures are very, very clear that when, when the Bible talks about joy, it breaks it down into three, three words. And this is what Lewis understood. But the idea that there's, there's a sense of rejoicing greatly because God had shown up and visited his people. There's a sense of, uh, that's called the agaliomai, that you just rejoice because that silence has been broken. God is now with us. And because God is with us, you are no longer alone. You're no longer abandoned. You're no longer forgotten. But God is moving on your behalf. But the euphrano, where we get the word euphoria, it's like, whoa, there is a subjective experiential. I love this. And the joy that just breaks out in song. Then the key word is the Cairo. The word for grace is that the grace of God <clears throat> is the grace of God that has appeared, as we talked about in, in Titus at the God and Grilled Cheese session. <laughs> uh, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us, and this is what grace does. Grace instructs us to deny um, ungodliness and worldly desires to live sensibly righteously and godly in the present age looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Christ Jesus who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession zealous for good deeds these three words are really the theme of Luke, well, the theme of the whole Bible, because 400 times from the Old Testament to the New Testament, 400 times with words such as joy or rejoicing or gladness, you find that God is the source of that joy, not the circumstances. And sometimes we want to use God to change our circumstances and, and use him. But God will use the circumstances to change us so that we understand that God is the source of living water. And that's what Jesus would say. If you have God coming from within, whatever happens without will not be removed. And so Jesus was very clear with his disciples. And the purpose of the discipleship is to help them learn what it means to have joy in God. He said in John 15, 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy be made complete. This is the purpose of all the discipleship is to bring you into that sense of the Lord is good. The Lord is for me. The Lord is trustworthy. And as I move into that, and you see that everything that God does in his purposes will bring me into a closer relationship where I don't have my source of life dependent upon what I can manipulate or what I can lose 
I can lose my health. I can lose my mind. I can lose my money. But the idea that I will never lose this relationship with Christ as long as he is with me. Until now, you've asked for nothing. You've not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you shall receive. Why? So that your joy would be made complete. There is a theme about joy, a complete joy. There's something more to the Christian life than just going to the church and doing the religious stuff. And There's something about your heart being settled when the Lord calls you and says, my, 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 how much I really enjoy you. You are my joy. And therefore, this is what happens in the New Testament story at Christmas. Zechariah, when he hears about John the Baptist, he gets to participate in this wonderful fulfillment of the prophecies. And so Zechariah raised his voice and he began to sing for joy when John the Baptist was born. Suddenly, with all these angels, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And notice what it says. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased, enjoyed, delights in. The idea that Simeon would say, now I have seen this salvation. And this salvation for the Jewish was not only the fulfillment of the prophecies in the past, but now God is present and it's also coming. And therefore, joy is the response to God at every level when he meets our needs, especially the fact that he meets our need for a relationship in him. For the people in the Old Testament, they rejoiced. And Paul said, again, I say to rejoice. Re, uh, rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoy, re-delight, rediscover. And that's what, that's what it means to have joy being the means, the presence of grace. And grace then produces joy. Knowing his word produces joy. Uh, worship evokes joy. Obedience develops this lifestyle of joy. But understand that it's the Holy Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit that allows you to see this baby, this King, this Lord, is the one that you become a servant of. And you, as a servant, you understand what it means, the joy of serving the Lord. And that's why Habakkuk in the Old Testament says, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. And therefore, we answer those three questions. Is God good enough? You bet. Yes, sure. Is he for me or against me? And you answer, God is for me. Yes, he is so for me. I can go through tornadoes. I can go through accidents. I can go through surgery. And whether I come out of the fire burned or singed, or if I come out delivered, as in Daniel, I know that God's purposes are being worked out in my life. Can I trust him if he allows things, bad things to happen? Yes, yes. And as Paul said in, the, in, in Romans, in Corinthians, that in Christ all the promises of God are yes. So if you understand this idea that God is no longer silent, but he comes to speak, so that you'd have comfort and joy. This is what Lewis found out, that God was his source of joy, and God is our source of joy. And therefore, we take this season 
And it's just more than just a nice song we sing. We rest, O merry gentlemen and women. Let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power. To save us. And therefore, John Wesley, in this small little book, I found the half-price books, uh, John Wesley said, listen to these words. Come, ye that love the Lord, and let your joys be known. Join in a song with sweet accord while ye surround his throne. Let those who refuse to sing, who never knew our God, but servants of the heavenly king may speak their joys abroad. The God that rules on high, that all earth surveys, that rides upon the stormy sky and calms the morning skies. This awful God is ours, our Father and our love. He will send down his heavenly powers to carry us above. And there we shall see his face and never, never sin. And there from the rivers of his grace drink endless pleasures in. Yea, and before we rise to that immortal state, the thoughts of such amazing bliss should constant joys create. For the men of grace have found glory begun below. Celestial fruit on earthly ground from faith and hope may grow. Then let our songs abound and every tear be dry. We're marching through Emmanuel's ground to fairer worlds on high. And so for Lewis, as he ends his, his day, he says, you know, be surprised by joy. And knowing that, that God is sending these things, trials and tribulations, to develop our joy as we understand he is our comfort and our joy in all that we go through. Let's uh, celebrate him this season and rest, ye merry gentlemen and women. Let's pray. Lord, we want to say thank you. Thank you for the place when we find ourselves in trouble. Thank you for the fact that you are preparing us and you're sending us all these opportunities for us to weep and to grieve with those who are losing things and suffering and struggling. But thank you that you don't stop there, but to give us joy in the morning. Father, help us to rest in, in the fact that your love produces joy in us, that you have called us, even though that we aren't worthy, but that grace has appeared and that you have, you've brought this faith to us. So Lord, help us to, to make this a reality to draw us closer to you, to understand what that living waters, that deep joy in the heart is, uh, is really ours. Thank you that you want our joy to be complete in and only in you. And we thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.